Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. For today's podcast, we're going to be discussing all things decentralized finance, cryptocurrency, blockchain, and in particular, one innovative company operating in the sector at the moment in digital asset management. And to do that, we're kindly joined by the co-founder and CEO in Sam Buxton. Sam, thank you very much for joining us today. Jonathan, really appreciate you having me and thanks again for your time. So one of the reasons why, why Sam is on the podcast today is because they're currently on Crowdcube. They set out with a target of £1 million, which they had quite quickly exceeded. So we will discuss their crowdfunding round in more detail a little bit later on in the podcast. But before we do that, Sam, would you be able to give us an introduction, first of all, to yourself and also to Digital Asset Management, also known as DAM? Yeah, no problem. Of course, happy to. Uh, so a, a little bit about myself. Uh, I was born and raised in Gibraltar. I'm a local Gibraltarian. Father's English, my mother's Spanish. Uh, and in 2008, when I was about to go off to study um, marketing or math in the UK, I got um, offered a full basketball scholarship in America. So I took that opportunity up and I, and I was stateside in the USA for six years, the first four years of which I was playing basketball and studying finance, the latter two years of which I was working for a startup bank in Alabama and Tennessee called Progress Bank and Trust. Uh, I then moved back to Gibraltar via London for a co- working for a company called Plurimi Wealth Management, which is a wealth management firm managing portfolios of, tra- of traditional stocks and, and bonds. We were managing around 2.2 billion at the time. Uh, Plurimi set up an office in Gibraltar, and that was a perfect uh, path for me to to come back home, really. And I've been working in the fintech industry from Gibraltar since then. I left Plurimi to work for a startup bank called MoneyCorp Bank. I then went to Wavecrest which was the only company in Gibraltar at the time working in the blockchain and Bitcoin industry. Um, Wavecrest at the time was an e-money company in Gibraltar that was issuing 95% of the prepaid Bitcoin cards in the world. And that was in 2016, 2017, early. Um, And it was around the same time, really, that Gibraltar, as a jurisdiction, announced that it was going to be the first country in Europe to roll out a DLT regulatory framework for the cryptocurrency industry. And being super deep in the space since 2014 myself personally, and having the knowledge and passion for the industry, myself and my partner at the time, Thomas Johnson, we saw it as a perfect opportunity to leave our our jobs and start up a company in the space where we thought at least there was a gap in the market, which was a custodianship and broker dealer services, sort of being a one-stop shop for you to come and buy, sell, store, and manage your cryptocurrencies. Uh, how many? The, the the bottom line was the question we we asked ourselves was how many times in our lifetimes was our small country Gibraltar going to roll out a novel? Cri- a uh, regulatory framework in an industry that we were super passionate about. There might be one or two more in our lifetimes and we might be old, a lot older by then and less <laughs> and, less, and, and more risk averse, so to speak. So we, we jumped ship and we set up digital 
Asset Management in December 2017. And we became the fifth licensed and regulated DLT, Distributed Ledger Technology Company, out of Gibraltar. We're now one of 13 companies. The DLT license in Gibraltar is super prestigious. There's been tens, if not hundreds of applications. Only 13 companies have been awarded the DLT license, and we're one of them. So to put that into perspective, some of the other DLT license companies are the likes of Bitso, that are a unicorn company valued over $2.2 billion with investment from some of the biggest VCs in the space, Wobby Ventures, eToro X, to name a few. I can go. We're, we're by far the smallest from all 13, and we're the only one currently raising finance right now from the, from the crowd. Fantastic. So let's just put some numbers to, to that, Sam. You've been going since 2017. I mean, what's your penetration look like in, into the market? How many users do you have? What sort of numbers are you doing in terms of um, trading cryptocurrency um, over the last uh, year or so? I mean, give listeners an idea to, to your size at the moment and what the potential could be going forward. Yeah, it's been an interesting journey. Let me dive into that. So the first 12 months or the first year where we spent acquiring our license. So that was the license application. So zero customers first year. We onboarded uh, five to maybe 10 customers in year one, which were under our what we called our portfolio management service, where we were managing portfolios of digital assets for our clients, high net worth individuals, one of them being our angel investor at the time in, in, our, in our first seed round. When we set up the business, we wanted to manage portfolios for clients. And that was a grind. I mean, we were looking for individuals that wanted to invest 50 to 100,000 pounds or euros into the space where we were managing their portfolios and giving them updates on a monthly basis. Um, what happened after the first year is we were called by a large company um, in Gibraltar that employs over a thousand people and they reached out to us and said hey we've been asked by one of our counterparties in Asia if they can pay us in crypto now it's a big payment it's over a million euros and they want to pay us in crypto can you guys open up a crypto wallet for us receive that crypto as a payment sell it to pounds and send it to our bank account and I was like, well, let me get this right. So we just want us to receive the crypto for you, send you the pounds, take a fee. They were like, can you do that? And I was like, well, it's funny enough. That's about all we can do for you right now. Um, yeah. And what? so we, we did that. It took us 25 minutes to process the payment, charge them whatever we charged them at the time. We made a lot of money early days, but that's when the light bulb moment happened for us. That's when we were like, guys, this is not, and when I say we at the time, there's three of us in a small office in Gibraltar. That's when the light bulb moment sort of produced, produced the epiphany, which was, guys, this isn't portfolio management. This isn't speculation. This is payments. This is global payments as a use case, which is a multi-billion, if not trillion dollar marketplace. And that's where we pivoted from being a your broker dealer, which was the branding at the time, to over a year ago, where we rebranded to being a your crypto payments company. Since then, we've onboarded 400 institutional clients that use us to receive and send payments in cryptocurrencies, most of which are stablecoin payments. So stable crypto assets pegged one-to-one -one with underlying commodities such as gold uh, or the dollar, most, more, most likely than not, which is most... most uh, which, which happens most of the time. And since then, um, we've built a team. Our team has grown from three individuals to 32 now. And we're focused on cryptocurrency B2B payments. We help merchants um, send and receive digital asset payments globally. Now, that, that business there 
is is a moving train. That business is the business that's generating revenues for us right now. Currently, anywhere between sort of three hundred to five hundred thousand pounds growth revenue, um, and our targets are for that product line, B two B vertical. Our targets are around two million pounds gross revenue month on month for the next sort of 12 to 24 months we want to try and get to those goals we had our sales meetings this morning to 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 just to realign and refocus on how we're going to get to those goals but that's just one part of the of of the company that's the b2b that's the b2b vertical which is making our money it's the moving train it's what 28 of the 32 employees are focused on the other four, four employees be it, um well mostly our tech team and, and marketing are also um, focused in on introducing a new product to the market, which is a B2C product that we're calling Damex, uh, which is a retail application. And I'm happy to go more into what Damex is. It's, it's something that we're super passionate about and we think is going to be the bomb. Yes, please please do, Sam. I mean, I've, I've got some, some notes here from doing my research, but I think it's probably best to pass back over to you, as you, as you mentioned, Damex, because I think that's very much that the future are going to be a big part of the future for Dam going forward. So it sounds very exciting. So please do give us some more details on that. Yeah, no problem at all. Look, when we were when we were um, growing our B2B vertical, which is the B2B crypto payments, we quickly realized that quite naturally we were growing and building a digital bank. It is what it is. We're a custodian of digital assets. We're allowing businesses to pay, receive money, earn interest, pay in, pay out. It's a digital bank built on blockchain technology um so at that time we decided look let's start because there might be regular because the regulatory landscape is quite shifty and changes quite a lot in cryptocurrency we decided let's start going for more licenses to really mitigate these risks and solidify our tech infrastructure and our regulatory regulatory infrastructure so we we received a we started in applying for the EMI agency license in the UK. And now we're already exploring a full banking license uh, in Gibraltar and other jurisdictions, early days there. But in essence, we started laying the foundations to what is going to become a digital bank. That's where we're heading. Because of that, we were designing this infrastructure, this banking infrastructure. And during lockdown, uh, we were sat at home and it was, it was time to really take a step back and refocus and sort of reimagine what we were building. But we quickly thought, we're building this banking infrastructure for our B2B business. We can quite easily spin this off into a retail application with no extra expense, really. The build is the build. It's just the UI that's different. So we're taking all the infrastructure that we've been building for the B2B in the back end. We're, 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 tw- we're putting a twist on it and we're making a retail, what is a challenger banking application. The back end is provided by Modular Finance, which is the same provider that's provided th- over 3 million IBANs for the likes of Revolut and many other very popular challenger banks in the space. So we, we saw ourselves pivoting into not a full pivot, but sort of like a, a, a mini pivot to create a new vertical for the company. We saw ourselves building this challenger banking application. But of course, the question arrives at the board level and when we're doing our research, it's like, well, why are we going to bother rolling out this retail challenger banking application when the market is becoming more competitive as the years go on? Don't get me wrong, still early days, but there's been immense growth in the last five years from what the statistics show. But it was in lockdown. It was a time where the world, well, myself personally, my family directly impacted, but also the world in general, where we were suffering from just mental and physical illness, from being locked up at home. We saw 
we were we we saw firsthand the impact that not having humans in the world had on the planet with cleaner waters and fresh air and it was it was just a touching moment and i was reading this book called connect and i was inspired how there's a massive need in the world for big institutions big banks and big players to connect with their communities in the earth and the earth in in a better way there needs to be more of that and then it all sort of came together in well we're going to be rolling out this challenger retail application challenger banking retail application why don't we connect this with communities? And it all came together in a way which was like, so so now we started asking ourselves, well, how do we connect the retail application with the communities in a way that hasn't been done before? And the first way was fitness. We all know there's a global health app, uh, pandemic right now, which is obesity. Can we connect with people and incentivize them to exercise from within our challenger banking application? And then from that, can we reward them in a way that's good for them, good for their wealth, their health, and the planet in a sustainable way. And what we've built is the very beginning and the start of what we think is a smart finance ecosystem. A smart finance ecosystem connecting health, wealth, and sustainability in a way we believe that we haven't seen it before. So in essence, what does that mean in layman's terms? Somebody's walking, they hit their 300,000 steps. Bing, congratulations, Jonathan. You've just unlocked 1% more cash back. You've just received your airdrop NFT gift. We've just planted one tree. Bing, congratulations, Jonathan. You've just hit your 500,000 steps of the month. You now have 2% cash back for the next 30 days. Here's a reward of $5 if you refer a friend. And guess what? We're going to plant two trees. So we're connecting your fitness goals and your wealth with with the sustainability and the health of this planet. So now as you're walking every step you take, you feel like you're giving back to the world from within your challenger banking application. And it was at this point that we really felt that we were onto something. The beautiful thing about our goals and our mission versus other challenger banking application projects out there is that we're already a net a net uh, profitable company we're making gross profit month on month we're not other cha- we're not like other challenger banking ecosystems that are burning raising burning raising burning we're going to grow sustainably we're in no rush but we can say one thing the bigger our ecosystem becomes the bigger our community becomes we really feel like we'll have a really really cool opportunity to do something good in this world by planting so many trees by helping so many people get healthier and by also helping them manage their wealth which is important these days so that's kind of um in 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 summary mate that's that's our vision and we really feel like we're onto something thank you very much that's very interesting there's a lot there um and there's a few bits that i want to pick out on which i'm sure uh listeners will, will be interested to 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 know about so of course, I mean it, it's as you outlined at the beginning that the sort of banking, crypto banking um, activity is very easy to understand in terms of how revenue is generated from that, and I assume that's where a large portion of your revenue is coming from at the at the moment. But going forward, people are going to be wanting to know a little bit more about the business and and the revenue model going forward, especially those people that are looking potentially investing through the the crowdfunding. Um, round you've obviously just outlined the uh, the smart finance elements of the, and obviously the health and wealth side of things for for Damex going forward. But I mean, what what does that look like in terms of revenue generation for for you as a company? I mean, what, is it something that you're going to be sort of plugging in um, to other um, offerings that you have going forward? And it's a case of just trying to bring users on board, or is this actually got something working behind the scenes where 
you're planting a tree, um, it's unlocking certain percentages for, for certain rewards that does have a revenue uh, generating basis for you? That's, that's a very, I mean, that's a great question. So currently the B2B vertical is 90% plus of our revenues. It is what it is. We, we definitely aspire to grow those, as I mentioned, from the current three to 500,000 a month levels to 2 million. But we do see those from a percentage basis, company-wide percentage. We do see the B2B vertical coming down from sort of 90% of our revenues down to 30, 40% of our revenues as our retail vertical and other areas of the business grow. We want to diversify our revenue streams. We don't want to be a one-leg chair, right? I mean, that's kind of... Uh, uh, at least, at least the the objectives of the of the board of directors anyway here. But uh, as far as revenue streams are concerned, from within the retail application, there's a few areas that will generate revenue. Um, one is you'll be able to exchange cryptocurrencies to fiat currencies and crypto to crypto. So there will be an exchange fee there. We feel like half a percent um, exchange fee is very competitive in the marketplace. And while we're not going to be prompting people to trade, it's more about educating people that they can trade can trade from within their retail banking application once they become customers. Uh, so we're going to have a half a percent exchange fee. Uh, we'll also have the Damex a card, debit card that's already been approved by Visa. So every time you spend your using your card in a shop, there's an element of inter, there's a percentage of interchange that's paid back to us. So if the if the merchant that you buy your bottle of iron brew from um, is, is charged 50p for that transaction, we might get 10p paid back to us. Of course, that's just pence. But when you're talking about millions of transactions per month, it certainly adds up and becomes a substantial revenue stream. So there's interchange, there's exchange fees. We're also going to have a membership. So we have a premium member um uh, option. So not everybody needs to pay for this. When you download the app, it's free to use and etc. But if you want to become an avid and sort of um, uh, a uh, well, yeah, an avid part of our community, then you have the option to pay the membership fee, which unlocks certain features and you get your premium member card, which is a different version of the cards. And of course, a percentage of the uh, a percentage of profits that are made from within the Damex application, 10% to be exact of the of our net profits are going to be given back a third to planting trees, a third to lo- to charities around Europe to start. It was some uh, some other foundation. There's it's still it's still to be confirmed. But in summary, we're giving 10% of our net profits back to back to our communities. That's those are the three big revenue streams: membership, interchange, and transactional fees. As we roll out new product features next year, which is going to be credit and lending, if you want a small loan or crypto collateralized loan, you can do that. Uh, Of course, we'll charge a small interest rate, a smaller interest rate if you hit your exercise goals. And we'll also be rolling out uh, some smart insurance products. So uh, we'll... Well, there'll be an, an insurance revenue stream there from within the Damex application. If you think about smart finance, when it comes to, to the two products that are coming out next year, which is credit lending and insurance, they're perfect products to be built on the ecosystem we're building where we're collecting exercise step data and finance spend data because... I mean, it's almost common sense, but there's actually statistical models to to evidence this. But just from a common sense perspective, you would think that the more somebody exercises and the healthier somebody spends, they would have cheaper life insurance. 
So what we're going to be doing is incentivizing people from within our smart insurance product that if you walk more and if you eat healthier, your insurance is going to be cheaper. And if you walk more and you eat healthier, then that also tells us that you're a more responsible individual, you're more disciplined, and you're more likely statistically to pay back your interest on your loans. So we're happy to give you better loan terms if you exercise more. And that's sort of the two products that we'll be rolling out next year that won't be, be, on, the, that won't be on the MVP. Arguably, the product will always be in its MVP state. I mean, Bill Gates famously said, you know, a product is always in its MVP. Uh, but those are two things that we have to look forward to that are also going to be two additional revenue streams next year that aren't on the MVP. Thank you. Thank you very much, Sam. So now, now let's drill down in, into the, the crowdfunding campaign. You set out to raise a million pounds, which you did very quickly. Congratulations. You're actually now in over funding. 21 days left as this is recorded for people to invest through Crowdcube. But one of the questions that investors always have, Sam, is what is the money going to be spent on? Where are you going to be allocating funds to deliver on your goals? So would you be able to give us a little bit more detail around that? Yeah, no problem at all. Um, so a large, we're going to be, as I mentioned earlier in this podcast, we're going to be applying for new licenses, traditional licenses, the most, the, the largest license of which will be a full banking license. Now, most full banking licenses require at least 2.5 to 5 million pounds of regulatory capital. So um, the smaller EMI licenses around Europe, you might need like a quarter million to upwards of a million pounds in regulatory capital. Credit institution licenses, you need similar levels of regulatory capital. So a large part of the funds raised will be regulatory capital. Now, what is regulatory capital? Those are funds that sit on our balance sheets that have to be readily available. We can't invest those into illiquid projects or assets. They have to be sitting as cash, cash equivalents or liquid investments uh, to cover what is a sort of a legal wind down procedure on the basis of things going uh, going a bit pear-shaped. So, a large chunk of the capital raise is going to be going towards different licensing regulatory requirement needs. We're also going to be buying stock to facilitate liquidity from our from within our ecosystem. So when we when we do when we start to scale up and we have millions of users, hopefully fingers crossed, knock on wood, come into our ecosystem to trade, to experience, to thrive. We make sure we have enough liquidity liquidity so when they do trade, when they do buy and transact there's no uh you know there's no slippage there's no delays it's all smooth and user friendly uh and then i mean those two components there make up a large use of the raised capital but then there is an element of us hiring some rock stars i mean we want to really use uh, a, a chunk of this capital to bring on two or three rock stars to the firm we feel like we have a very strong team but we want to hire um, two or three individuals that have really been there and done it before and taken a growth and a scalable startup from sort of year one to an exit. Finding those individuals is not easy. But if you're one of those individuals and you're listening to this podcast, please reach out because we're looking for some rock stars. And if you think you're a rock star, let's have a chat. Fantastic. Fantastic. Great. So just to, to wrap things up now, Sam, go, going forward to, to sort of give people an idea of what you want to achieve over 
the next three to five years? I mean, what would you set out as your key milestones? And also, what would, where do you see the business going uh, in a potential exit for uh, an investor? You know, is something you're looking for a listing, a trade sale? Um, you know, how do you see that panning out? Okay, so obviously things change over time and, you know, the goals now might be different to goals in the next year or two. But as it stands, the following is what we're going for. The following is what we spoke about this morning in our in our team meeting. Um, we want to take our monthly revenues from three to 500,000 a month now to 2 million a month. And we want to do that in the next year or two. That's from the B2B vertical. On the flip side, on the retail space, we want to, release our we want to roll out our application at the end of the year this year q4 worst case q1 jan feb and we want to start onboarding customers and acquiring acquiring retail clients our goal for the next year or two is to onboard two to three hundred thousand users onto the retail application as well as increase our b2b revenues and we feel like if we increase our b2b revenues by 400 percent to 2 million plus monthly and we manage to acquire 200 to 300,000 customers on the application on the fitness banking application in the smart finance ecosystem we truly believe we can justify a strong series a raise at the 300 plus million valuation where we then raise 20 to 30 million dollars what i'm going to be doing in the next two years while my team while my teams um target those those goals and work their way up to those those uh, kpis and 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 um he, he, and, and milestones i'm going to be focused on building relationships with lead investors and getting ready for our series a because the b2b and the b2c targets are very achievable um they're not they're not out of this world. So once so once we've raised our Series A, hopefully that can be in under two in under twenty four months time. We've raised twenty to thirty million. Then we're going to be going for that twenty thirty million. It is what it is. A lot of that is going to be used for customer acquisition, and we're going to try and take our retail application from two three hundred thousand users to two three million users, and or a few million users to with the ultimate goal being a public listing in five years and a multi-billion pound valuation. Of course, that's the dream. A lot of things can change from here to then. But um, the bottom line is, is uh, what what makes us different. And I, and I repeat this because it truly is one of our unique selling points right now is, yeah, we're an investment. What, why we're attractive to an investor out there listening to this or in Crowdcube is because we're a challenger. We're building a challenger banking ecosystem. We're building a smart finance ecosystem. Now, when you look at the the valuations and the propositions on the market that they can invest in, what you're investing into is a concept, if not an early stage application, that is where your funds are going to be used for customer acquisition and they're going to be burnt and then the company's going to raise and burn and raise and burn and raise. Whereas that's not the case with us. We're already a profitable company in our B2B, in our B2B vertical. We, if we, to get to our 200 to 300,000 customer target on the retail application in the next 24 months, our marketing budget doesn't need to be more than 100,000 pounds a month, uh, maybe 150,000 pounds a month. Well, we will net profit 250,000 pounds a month last month alone. So if we were to start acquiring customers at a level to get us to our Series A, we'd still be net profitable last month. So we're not going to be burning through heaps and heaps of cash to achieve our targets. And I feel that's what makes us different. Now, I recently pitched to a VC and their counter argument to that exact statement was, 
well, there's an element of speed to market and you have to burn and you have to grow quick before you're left behind. And I completely understand that. And we went into, uh, uh, and then it's, it's all about what makes you different in the market from a product perspective and, it, and what are our competitors doing. And once we went into an in-depth analysis, uh, the VC actually decided to invest with us. And that's a, that's a, uh, a VC that's going to be investing into this crowd rate, uh, into this round now that isn't, um, uh, that hasn't been allocated to the current round yet, but that news will be coming out to our investors in the next week or two when, when it goes public. So, so keep your eyes up here because there's a new VC on board. Fantastic. Fantastic. And that will obviously provide uh, some liquidity to deliver on those goals that, that you've uh, mentioned there, Sam. So that, that was fantastic. Um, thank you very much for taking some time out of what must be a very busy day for you with everything that's going on at the moment there. So Sam, thank you very much for being on the podcast today. Jonathan, really appreciate your time. For any investors who have any further questions, please feel free to reach out to me at sam at dam.gi. I'm happy to jump on a call. I'm happy to elaborate. Thanks again. Thank you very much, Sam. And just a, a note for anybody listening, if you do check out the notes to this podcast, there will be a link through to the CrowdQ page where you'll be able to find out some more details about the crowdfunding campaign that's currently ongoing. Thank you very much. Thanks, Jonathan. We hope you enjoyed listening to the UK Investor Magazine podcast. Please do share the podcast and we really value any reviews and comments you leave us in your chosen podcast player. The views presented by the hosts and guests of the UK Investor Magazine podcast are in no way investment advice. And please remember, all investment involves risk. 